Thank you, Father. So I've been given the task of looking at uh, at Luke 7 today. Um, And there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. I guess there's two parts to, 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 to the sermon, if you like. And first of all, I'd like to look at measures of faith. Because every single one of us has been given a measure of faith. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important that we acknowledge what that measure is and that we operate in it. Um, but then the second part, I'd like to talk a little bit about what the dynamics of faith are. It's one thing having faith. It's another thing understanding how to kind of operate in the faith realm, if you like. Um, so that's what I'm going to try and, and do. Um, and so um, to, to start off with, I'd like to look at, at, at Luke 7. Hallelujah. Um, and in, in, in the chapter, the seventh chapter of Luke, we see there are three, um, three stories that I'd like to, to, to pick on, and that's the, the, the story of the centurion, uh, the, the story of the, the widow, and the story of the sinful woman. So there are three different people, three very, very different people in different stages of life, in, uh, they clearly each have a very different measure of faith. Um, and, and we see that, uh, you know, the, the centurion is often referred to as that that's kind of the pinnacle. That's faith that is outstanding. Um, and we see the story of, of the centurion. Um, we see that, that there is a man who, who's clearly a very well-renowned individual. He was a good man. It says that he loved the nation and he built uh, the synagogue. He was a very good man. You, you can imagine that he would pray. Uh, he was, by all accounts, he was an outstanding individual. And, and he had a servant who was sick. Um, and so the, the centurion sends his servants to find Jesus. And, and his servants say, Lord, you've got to come. He's a good man. Come and heal his servant. He deserves that. Um, and so you know, Jesus agrees to come, and then the centurion sends some more servants, and he says, no, 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 tell him that he doesn't even need to come under my house. Just tell him to, to give the word, because I understand faith. I understand. He said that I am a man in authority, and, and I have servants under me. If I tell them to go, they'll go. If I say come, they'll come. So just speak the word. And Jesus replied and he said, wow, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. That there was something outstanding about his measure of faith. Uh, And then there's the story of the widow. So Jesus goes from that place and he goes into a city. And as he enters this city, there's a coffin coming out. that A guy had died and he was the only son of a woman and the woman was a widow. So she was in a pretty bad situation, and, 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 and Jesus comes to her. He doesn't even mention faith. He doesn't mention faith. All he says is, don't cry. His heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And then he went to the, to the coffin. He touched the coffin, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man got up and started to talk. He didn't, he didn't mention her faith. He didn't go up to her and say, look, I'm really sorry that you don't have enough faith. He responded and he healed. He raised the son 
to life. Uh, and then there's a, the, the, the final story, which is the story of the, the, the sinful woman, which is, you know, she was probably a prostitute. And uh, Jesus is, is eating at the house of a, a Pharisee. And, and this woman comes in. And, um, and she comes in with a, a, a jar of, of fragrant incense that, that, that was very, very, very costly. And she comes and she breaks it and she's weeping. She's crying over his feet. She's washing his feet with her hair and he, she pours the fragrant incense over, over his feet. Now, that's where the story opens up for us in terms of the, the, the sinful woman. But for her, the story started a long time before. You see, she, she was a sinful woman. She was looked upon very different. She was almost the, the polar opposite of the, the centurion. Everybody would have looked at him and thought, wow, he's a good man. What did they say? He deserves it. He deserves that you would heal his servant. She wasn't like that. You know, like I say, she, she was probably a prostitute. I, I don't know what kind of day she'd had. I don't think that she thought in her heart, I'm going to go in faith. You know, I'm going to go in faith and receive something from Jesus. But she went. You know, she probably felt shame, insecurity, maybe fear. But she went. And Jesus said to her, he didn't say you've come in, fa- in, in shame. He said you've come in faith. And your faith has saved you. So we have three completely different situations. But Jesus responds. Each and every individual got their miracle. And there may be people here today that are in one of those three camps. It might be that you, you know, you're a seasoned Christian. You've gone through it with Jesus. You've come out at the other side. And you know your faith. You understand your faith. You understand the measure. You understand how to operate within it. And that's wonderful. That's great. And, and at the end, you can pray for me. You can pray for other people because your gift, your measure is there to pass on to others. And it may be that, that, that you know, there are people here that, that fit into the category of, of, the, of the widow. You know, it might be that you feel like You've just lost it all. You've lost it all. You might feel like you don't even have faith. But you're here. And Jesus' response is, your, 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 your faith can save you. you know, it might be that, that some of us are in the, in the position of the dead man. You know, the guy in the coffin. I was there. You know, some years ago, I was dead. I was absolutely dead. But I had faith. Jesus gave me faith and I believed and it saved me. He brought me back to life. And if we're a Christian in this place, the, the exact same thing has happened to each, each one of us. So what I'm saying is that our measure is unique to every single one of us. You know, whether you're the centurion, the, uh, the, 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 the sinful woman, the widow, or even the, the, the guy that's dead, our, our measure of faith is unique to each and every one of us. Uh, and what's really important is that we understand what our measure of faith is. What has God given us? Hallelujah.
You see, it's not about how big our measure is. It's all about what we do with it. You see, you can have the faith of the centurion, but if you don't steward it well, you won't receive the reward that is there to be received. Put it another way, you can have two cents in your hand, but if you steward that well, there will be increase. You can have the faith of the centurion. If you don't steward it well, the increase won't come. So it's all about what we do with our faith. It's not about the measure of faith that we have. And that's why it's really important for us to understand and acknowledge the measure of faith that we do have. Hallelujah. You see, it's easy to, um, to act like somebody else. If the centurion had tried to act like the widow, or if the widow had tried to act like the sinful woman, I don't think they would have entered into the miracle that they received. So um, what's really important is that we, we acknowledge our measure and we operate within it. Um, so, so let me try and put it another way. Um, like I say, my measure is unique to me. Nobody has the gift that God has given me. Each of us have a, a measure of faith, which is a gift of God. And nobody else has that. It's like thumbprints. If you imagine, you can look at thumbprints and they all kind of look pretty similar, but they're all entirely unique to each and every one of us. Um, now, <laughs> the way I'd, I'd see it, it's kind of like doing a PhD. You know, when you do a PhD, when you write your thesis, what you've got to do is, is add something to knowledge. That, that's the, the, the purpose of the PhD, is to, to contribute to knowledge. Now, what I'm trying to say is that each of us are completely unique, and what we release into the world is, is basically, for me, it's a James-shaped hole. For Anais, it's an Anais-shaped hole. It's something that looks completely unique to her. And she needs to become that, I need to become that, in order to release what God has given me into the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that's kind of the difference between religion and kingdom. So what I mean by that is religion wants everybody to look the same. But in the kingdom, everyone is completely unique. So if you look at the Tower of Babel, uh, which is a perfect illustration of religion. So the people came together and said, let us build a tower to heaven to make a name for ourselves. And they, what it says is that they built the tower with bricks, that they built, they made bricks, they molded bricks, and every single one of them looked the same to build this tower. And that's exactly what religion looks like, pushing people into a mold to make them act a certain way to build a name for ourselves. It's trying to get ourselves to heaven. Well, we're not part of that. We're part of the temple of the living God. 
And the temple of the living God is built with rocks and stones, living stones. Each one is entirely individual. Each one, no two look the same. But they come together to build the temple of the living God. They fit together perfectly. So the only way that I'm going to benefit the church, the only way that I'm going to benefit the world, is, is if I actually say, okay, so who am I? Who am I? I'm not going to try and copy someone else. I'm not going to try and look like somebody else. You see, that's easy. It's not easy to come to God and say, okay, so who am I? What am I? Where is my measure of faith? And operate within that to release your expression into the earth. In, uh, in, In Romans... Romans 12, verse 3... Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. He says to think of yourselves according to the measure of faith that God has given you. You see, we live so much in in an externally influenced world. Everything is is external. So you've got YouTube, Facebook, podcasts. It's all kind of information that's coming in. Uh, And what Paul says is, is, is basically stop and consider yourself. Just stop and consider yourself according to the measure of faith. That God has given you. And it doesn't matter how small that measure of faith is. What matters is that we can acknowledge it and we can take it in and cherish it and work with it in order to see it grow. You see, I don't have, I can't operate in power when I try and operate out of somebody else's measure of faith. I only have power when I operate within my measure of faith. And and not only that, but when I operate within my measure of faith, I can actually extend it out and let other people in. So let me give you an, an, an illustration. Like I say, it doesn't matter how small your measure of faith is. What, what matters is how, how we work with it, how we use it. So When I was a a young Christian, I got born again, I encountered God. Um, There were certain things I just knew. And what it was, it was an outworking of my measure of faith. You see, I, I knew somehow that I had power over kind of electronics. And I also knew that I had power over insects. Now, I know that that sounds a little bit stupid, but the way that kind of outworked in my life, there was one time when uh, I was in, in um, at work, and the place that we worked had a, um, a cashless payment system for, for, for buying food in the cafeteria. So you put your card in, put some money in, it would charge up the card, and you could go and buy food. So one day, I'm queuing up, to, to get some, to, to, to put some money on, but the machine was broken. And there was a queue of people in front of me. They were going up, trying to get it work. It, it wasn't working. But I stood in the queue, 
And, and as I got there, a friend of mine was standing watching. He said, James, the machine's broken. Now, he wasn't a believer. I said, it might be broken, but I'm a son of God, and the machine will work for me. And so I walked up to the machine. I put my card in. I put some money in. The machine went ching, 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 and I took my card back and went and bought some food. That there wasn't any doubt there. That now, I'm not saying I have faith to go and raise the dead, but I did have faith for that. Because that was my measure of faith. I had a measure of faith that I was operating within, and I had a certainty. There was no doubt. Now, because that was my measure of faith, I could pass that, or I could let others come into it. Now, this is the, this is why it's so important that we operate within our measure of faith, because we can extend that out and let others come in. So, so one time when, um, a, a, a good friend of mine that got born again, we were, uh, he was living with me at the time, and we were watching a DVD. And, uh, the DVD player stopped working, it just literally gave up the ghost, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. And he, he said, oh, that's, I really wanted to watch that film. I said, well, why don't we watch it then? And he, he said, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I said, well, you have faith, right? He, he said, yeah. I said, well, well, just put your hand on the DVD player. So he puts his hand on the DVD. I said, now tell the DVD player to work in the name of Jesus. And he says work in the name of Jesus. And straight away, the DVD player starts working and the signal comes back. Now, that's insignificant. Now, I know, I know it's so small. It's like, it's, it's a DVD player. I want the people getting set. I want the people getting healed. But it was my measure. And that's what I operated within. And it was the same with insects. You know, that there were, um, I could tell an insect to move, to, to go out of the room and it would listen to me. Yeah, there was one time when I was, um, I was, it must have been early in the morning, the sun had come up, but it was very early in the morning. And this, I don't know if it was a wasp or a bee or something, flew into the room and it was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And it was, uh, it was just annoying me. And so I'm, la- I'm, sl- I'm in, in bed and I just went into the presence of God. And I didn't command it to go, I didn't do any of that. I just felt this bee or wasp or whatever, I just felt it leave the room. And as I, I, as I was doing that, I could hear the buzzing go, 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 and it went out the room. Why? Because it was my measure. I knew I didn't have any doubt about that. And so I had a good friend. We were eating dinner, and this fly comes in. It's buzzing around his head, and he's trying to eat his dinner. I said, why don't you just tell the fly to go? And he said, well, what do you, what do you say? In the name of Jesus, leave. And he did it, and it worked. Because it was my measure of faith and I'm letting him in. It's my gift. God has given it to me and whatever gift we have, we can pass on to others. So I said, look, come and, and use my gift. You know, what, what I freely received, I can freely give away. And as I freely give it away, I see it all the more and it, it increases. So, um, like I said, that, that, that's really small. It's kind of, you know, insects and, you know, a DVD player or a car radio or the, the list goes on. But um, it, it is small. It, it is small. But how I handle that, how I handle my measure of, of, of faith, how I handle the gifts that God has given me, 
has an impact on what I'll then walk in in years to come. And just to illustrate this, I, the back end of 2011, I think it was, the, the Lord gave me a vision. And I saw a whole number of, of events and situations and, and circumstances. And, 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 and God said to me that everything he has said will come to pass. Um, now, in this vision, I saw a whole raft of stuff. And one of them was sitting, is sitting right there. But um, one of the things I saw was a blue car. And I saw the exact color, and I saw the style of the car. And so I, I relocate and you know, basically do what, I, what God told me to do in this vision. And I'd borrowed a car at the time. And the color of the car was, I guess, similar to what I'd seen in the vision, but it wasn't exact. And... Um, and so I, I, I borrowed this car, but then I had to give it back. And, and I'm living in London, and I'm thinking, well, do I, do I really need a car? And I'm talking to God. And I said, well, I had this vision, and, and you know, you showed me the car. But then it was the same. And so I was questioning what, you know, if I even needed a car. You know, you live in London. Cars aren't really that necessary. But the, the next day, my sister phones me up, and she says, listen, I, I've been talking with Randy, her husband, and um, and we just felt like we needed to ask you, do you need a car? I was like, oh, whoa, I was just talking to God about that yesterday. And I said, I don't know, I need to get back to you. I need to make sure, obviously I did. But So they gave me some money to get a car. And I was looking for a car, I was trying to find a, a, a car that kind of matched that. I couldn't find what I, you know, what, what matched the, the one in the vision. So I, I f- rang up my brother. He lives in Leicester. And I said, Tim, I'm going to come down. We're going to find a car. And we went round and, and we spent half a day phoning people. And every single car just wasn't there. It was like they sold all that morning or something. We couldn't, we went to look at about five cars and they were all bags of nails. It was absolutely, I, I just thought this is never going to work. So so I ended up, I came back up without a car, which wasn't the plan. And when I got back, I thought, this is ridiculous. So I took one more look at, at, at Auto Trader or whatever it was. And there was a car that was the exact color and the exact style of what God showed me in the vision. And the other thing was, I said to God, look, I just want a car with zero miles, like really low miles. And this car had, I can't remember if it was six or 12,000 when I got it. So I rang them up and I thought, well, there's no chance that's still going to be there. And it, it was still there. So I said I'd come in the next day. And, and anyway, I, I got the vehicle. I got the car. And it was, for me, it was the fulfillment of what God had showed me. It was a gift from God. Now, the car was a, a city rover. I don't know if you know a city rover. You, you probably won't. And if you did, then you, know, you might say, well, you wouldn't want to drive one. But to me, to me, it was a gift of God. And there were so many times when, you know, I drove it for, I guess, maybe about 18 months before God gave me another car. But I, I, I was driving that car, and there were so many times when, I, when people would kind of crack jokes, or, or they'd say something about the car. It had a little squeaky horn. But every time that happened, I had to guard my heart. Because it was a gift of God, and I loved it, and I cherished it. And the way that we handle what he's given us will ultimately result in, 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 in what we're walking in, in years from now. So, you know, looking at the fly flying around the room and just feeling it leaving, I love that. 
I cherish that. I hold on to it. I thank God for it because I know that one day I'll see somebody enter the room on a wheelchair and I'll just know that I don't even have to go and pray for them. I can just feel their sickness leave and see them stand up. And that's the, that's the result. How we handle what he's given us, how we steward it, um, ultimately, uh, yeah, how we steward it results in, in the increase that we, that we get. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Can I just ask, I, I, can we just all stand to our feet just for a minute? Thank you, Father. I'd, I'd just like us just to call down the presence of God again. I just, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just release everything you've got into the room. Holy Spirit, we love you. Father God, we love you so much. You're so good. You're so good. You're so wonderful. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay, you can... Take your seats. I just did that because I wanted a a lightness to come in the room. I just wanted a lightness. You know the lightness, the peace of God? I don't know if it feels more peaceful for you, but it does for me. So we've looked at at measures of faith. And and it is really important that we we understand our measure of faith. and, And we're not kind of envious of other people's measures, and we don't try and mimic or copy other people's measures of faith, but we operate within the measure of faith that he's given us. And so I just want to go from there, and I want to just try and look at the dynamics of faith, because it's one thing understanding that God has given us a measure of faith, it's another thing to operate within it. Uh, and so I guess over recent, uh, over the recent weeks, God's kind of shifted my understanding or, or the, the way that I see faith. I always kind of thought that faith, it was, it was a certainty. It was knowing that you know that you know that you know. So God gives us a gift of faith in order that we might believe. So we're saved. You know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. But that in itself is a gift of God because he gives us the faith to do it. So so that was, I always believed that the the, the purpose of faith was to enable us to believe. But God's kind of shifted that. And the way I see it now is that the purpose of faith isn't just that we would believe, but the purpose of faith is that we might enter in to the realm of God, the realm of heaven, that we would operate from the realm of heaven on earth, that we would live in that realm through faith and release what is in that realm in, in and on the earth. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so I just want to look at a, a few of the, the, the things that have, have got me to that, 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 that place of, of understanding, if you like. So, so first of all, faith, um, well, what I want to say is that faith comes by hearing. God speaks, 
we hear him and we believe what he says. And but what, I, what I want to say is that when we operate within faith, when we live in faith, something happens in the spiritual realm. So in the spiritual realm, it's like we become a beacon and, and the spiritual realm actually sees, whoa, there's faith, there's faith, there's faith on those individuals. Now, when that happens, we will um, potentially open ourselves up to, to opposition. What I should have said is that um, in looking at the dynamics of faith, what I've seen is, and what I believe is, that the dynamics of faith and the dynamics of fear are almost identical. And now the reason for that is that fear is faith. But it's faith in the wrong kingdom. So faith comes by hearing... And I'll give you an example. So in Luke 4, um, we see that the story of Jesus, when he enters his, his ministry, um, so prior to, to, to Luke 4, in Luke 3, there's the baptism of Jesus. And he's, he's baptized. When he comes up, the dove descends on him. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And God speaks to him and says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So God spoke to him and something happened. It was such a transition in Jesus' life. It launched him into those three years that that turned the world absolutely uh, upside down. But then what we see is in, in Luke 4, he's, 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 tempt, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And in the desert, he's tempted. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. But then in the desert, the opposition comes and the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn to bread. And Jesus had to, had to, to deal with that. By speaking the word of God. So what I'm saying is that you know, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing the word of a lie. And the question is, you know, what voice do we hear and what voice are we in agreement with? Because when we walk in faith, you know, we may encounter opposition. We, we probably will. But it's not going to be in the form of, of, of what Jesus experienced in the desert, I, I, I hope we don't kind of engage the devil head on in kind of two-way conversation. That, that probably won't happen. In my life, I experience it as far more subtle. You know, it's like all of a sudden, you, you know, you're going in faith and then something happens and you feel different. It's like, whoa, hold on, what's going on there? And the litmus test is, um, is peace or anxiety. You see, Faith always releases peace. Fear always releases anxiety. Now, the, 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 the lie of the enemy might come, it might invoke shame, insecurity, whatever it is, but it will always release anxiety. And so that, for me, that, that's the litmus test. I know when I'm in peace, and I know when I'm in anxiety, and when I am, I can come back across 
into, uh, into, into, into peace. And th- th- this is so important because, how do I put this? When we have faith, we enter into peace. Now, peace is a person. Peace is God. God is peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So when we enter into to, to peace, we're entering into God. And, and that's what faith is doing. It's opening up the, the realm of heaven that we might enter into the realm of peace, which is God. And, and you know, so often we can try and have faith. We're so focused on faith. We're so focused on believing that we almost neglect peace. But the way in which faith works, the way we, we, we see the manifestation on heaven, uh, sorry, on earth as it is in heaven, is when we enter into peace and we engage God. Let me put it another way, is that um, faith, ah, how do I do this? You're only powerful when you're in God. And ultimately peace is God, faith is not God. Does that make sense? It is clear enough. So, very often we can try and have um, faith as the goal. So we're, we're, we're kind of focused on faith, and we're trying to believe. We're believing. We're rejecting all, uh, you know, all doubt and uh, and all of that. And um, and it's almost like faith is the goal, but faith is not the goal. God is the goal, and we use faith to get to Him. So Jesus said in in Matthew 17, verse 20, he said, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thrown into the sea, nothing will be impossible for you. Because it's not about how big your faith is, that the smallest seed of faith grants you access to the fullness of God. And when you're in the fullness of God... Literally, nothing is impossible. You can do anything when you are in him. But it's all about being in him. It's not about believing. You know, the faith bit, you know, that we make the focus so often, it's important, but it's what it grants us access to. So I'll put it another way. So in Matthew 21, 21, Jesus says, If you have faith and do not doubt... You can say to this mountain, be thrown into, into the sea. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I work in sales, and I, I, you know, I needed breakthrough in my, in my job. And I was reading that scripture, and I thought, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I'm going to ask the Lord, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to reject all doubt. And for about the space of 12, uh, 12 months, uh, about the space of a month, about three, three or four weeks, I was so focused. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I was speaking and, and believing and so focused that I was going to win every single opportunity, every, every single opportunity that I was working on. I believed I was going to win. And the reality was that I saw increase. But the reality also was that at the end of those three or four weeks, I was like, I could not do it. It was, it was not sustainable. I, I don't know, Pete will actually know about that. I found that the, you know, at the back of my head, you've got these muscles. And 
like I was so, like I was bursting blood. I was like trying to burst a blood vessel by believing so hard. And the thing is, it was working. I was seeing increase. I was seeing things happen. But I couldn't continue like that. I thought, well, this just can't be right. And, you know, the bottom line is that, that faith, belief works. You know, there's a whole movement based on the law of attraction. You know, if you really believe and you just thank the universe for all those things that you're going to receive, you'll receive them. And it works. It's, a, it's a, a spiritual law that works, but it's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. And so I had to just scrap that whole idea because as much as it was benefiting, you know, maybe my work, it wasn't benefiting me. And, I, and what I did, I had to come away from that and just enter into peace. So I used my faith to enter into peace. And when I was in that realm of peace, it opened up this whole realm for me to hope. And so when I was in God, in that, in, in, in peace, I began to hope that I would win deals. Now that's easy. You know, my, my faith is limited to what God has revealed to me. So if God says, you know, if he comes to me in a dream one time and says, you're in a season of fruitfulness, you're going to win every opportunity you work on for the next six weeks, I would know without a doubt that that was, that was the case because my faith is limited to what God has revealed to me. My hope is limited to the breadth of my imagination. I can hope as much as I want. And so in my work, I was, I had faith that God was good. And I entered into that faith. I entered it into the goodness of God. The peace came and I began to hope. And as I was hoping, what my hope did was it kind of aroused joy within me. And, and I started to see fruitfulness. The things that I was hoping started to happen. And I saw the correlation between faith and hope. You see, hope is not an inferior version of faith. Faith without hope is pretty much redundant. But when we enter into faith and we hope, what it does is it releases joy within us. It arouses joy um, and that, once again, is a greater realm of God. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And when we enter into faith, we enter into peace. And, and when we're in peace, we allow hope to flow out of us. It creates that joy that we would enter into a greater realm of, of God and receive a greater blessing because we're walking in him. And so hope is, is so vital to a walk in faith, to, to us walking in faith. But it's, like I said, it is really, um, I guess, really important that we understand the difference between hope and faith. Because I operate very differently toward faith as I do to hope. So when God spoke to me and said, I'm going to give you a car... I knew that that was going to happen. There were certain things he showed me that I believed with a certainty. And actually, I reshaped my entire life around what he had shown me. I don't do that for hope. If I do that with hope, so if I'm really hoping for something and I'm telling myself that it's faith, I open myself up to, dis to disillusionment. When we hope, we open ourselves up to disappointment. But when we say that it's faith, it can disillusion us, and that's really dangerous. You see, 
I'm just going to say this very quickly, that there is a big difference between disappointment and disillusionment. When you hope, you, you do open yourselves up to disappointment. But that's something, I'm disappointed regularly and it's fine, I can pull myself out of it very, very easily. But disillusionment sets you off track. And when that happens, it's almost like you're lost and you completely need to regroup. Um, I've been there. I've been in that disillusionment camp and it took me the best part of two and a half years to get back on track. That's not cool. (laughs) But when we're disappointed, we can pull ourselves out of it uh, very quickly. So, um, so faith and hope, faith isn't hope, but it does, uh, it is what, what I would say, it's like jet fuel to faith. Hope is like jet fuel to faith. It's like hope paints this big target for faith to, to aim at. And, um, just to give you a, an, an, an illustration, so I um, have been trying to cultivate an atmosphere of hope within my heart. I, I, I've acknowledged, okay, faith is what God has said. And when I'm in that, I have the ability to, to hope for anything. And there is a huge correlation between faith and hope. So when we do that, we start to see increase. Now, I, I've... Since, you know, when the gold dust was down here at the front a few weeks back, I started to imagine, I I started to think, okay, well, I want to see that all the more. And and I had this kind of video go through my mind of of being in a a presentation at work, uh, presenting to a board of, uh, of people, and in this kind of, just dreaming, just hoping for the things that I want to see. Just imagining being in that place, doing my job, and then somebody saying, whoa, what's on your face? I'd be like, oh, oh what, what? You're sparkling, it's all over you. And I'd like, oh yeah, well, I'm just a son of God, and that kind of happens. <laughs> That's my hope. And so I've been allowing that to cultivate my mind. I've just been thinking about that. And as I've done it... It's created joy within me, and it releases me into a greater measure of the kingdom. Now, all last week, and I will tell you, I was working, and at my desk, it's like sparkle, sparkle. So I'm thinking, what is going on? Now, my hope, I haven't got faith that that's going to happen. God hasn't said this is going to happen, but I'm hoping for it in faith. I'm hoping in God for those things. And as I've done it, these, my, my desk has just been like a glitter bomb. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And so what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I really believe that there are, are people even here today that have measures of faith, that God has deposited a measure of faith. And they're measures to, uh, you know, a gift, a measure of faith or a gift to, to, to perform miracles. <laughs> A measure of faith to, to perform healings, to release healings. But I really believe that that's, there's almost like a roadblock or it's stagnated because we're not hoping for it. You, know, you can have the faith, but the faith is redundant without the hope. 
And, um, you know, there are people that, that, that walk in such a realm of power and healing and, and, and the miraculous. And the reason being, I mean, yes, that they, they have faith, but the reason being is they hope a lot. And when they hope a lot, in their faith, they start to see the things that they hope for manifest. And so hope and faith go hand in hand. And I just want to encourage you to, um, to, to cultivate an atmosphere of hope in your mind, to dream and dream big in God. And it is important to have faith. It's important to operate out of the realm of faith. But it's far more important to use that faith to enter into God, that we might minister with him, that we might operate with him. And from that place, release what's stored up in heaven on earth.